Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Welcome to Minisode 126 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lab star writer and an occasional doer of musical things and an Andy Stewart birthday well-wisher. Oh, thank you very much. Yes, yes, I am Andy Stewart. It is my birthday. I am 40. Yeah, for dates that purposes, we are recording this circa 10am on Halloween, Andy's 40th birthday. Andy, happy birthday. Thank you very much, my friend. Thank you. How How is all of this proceeding so far? How's your morning been? Let me tell you a bit about my morning, Mitch. It's been really lovely. Uh, I've had some lovely presents. I've had a lovely breakfast made for me. Delicious stuff. Delicious stuff. But what I I do want to say is that uh, moments ago, I received your present. Yeah. I say moments ago, somewhere in the region of 25 minutes ago, because it it took that long to watch. Yes, it ran longer than the average episode of, like, American sitcom. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks to you, Mitch, for wrangling that and taking the time to put all that together. And massive thanks to all the listeners and people who sent videos across wishing me well. Uh, It was just a really lovely, wholesome thing to see on a Saturday morning and uh, certainly went some way to alleviating my impending feeling of doom that being 40 has wrought upon me. Well, I'm very glad. And just for anyone that's not familiar, because I know that not everyone is in the Chudlocker, um, we did put together a kind of compilation video of listeners and past guests wishing you a 40th birthday. If you would have wanted to be a part of that and are not in the Chudlocker, then I apologise. But obviously, when we were planning this, we had to do it in a way that you had no visibility of. Mm, mm-hmm. So the only real way to do that was to uh, do it for the Chudlocker because you don't have Facebook. Yes, and by the way, some incredible some incredible ingenuity on the show there. There was some really high production value going on in some of those. <laughs> But what have you been watching this week? I think actually my viewing has largely been the same as yours, so we might as well just kind of blow through things together rather than putting it on me. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Um, We can certainly go through all the stuff that we have in common, and if there's any kind of separation at the end of it, then Uh we can look at that. But um, I think that largely we both dipped into stuff from Fright Fest this week. Yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. So Digital Freight Fest was last weekend. If you listened to the mini-sode last week, you may have heard me talking about a couple of things. Um, Obviously, there was a decent amount of the festival left to go Mm. at that point. So I did have a few more things that I managed to get through on the Saturday and Sunday, as did you. So in chronological order, I think first up then, we had Carl Holt's Benny Loves You. We did indeed, yeah. I think, fair to say, the absolute like word-of-mouth smash of the festival. Can't disagree with that. Um, Got to say straight away as well, thoroughly enjoyed this more than I enjoyed the remake of Child's Play. Yeah, and I can see why that's the first place you go to comparison-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like um, Benny as a visual, it's really, really funny any time that you see him kind of jumping around and doing stuff and <laughs> stabbing people and things. like. Um, it's just one of those things that never stopped amusing me. Yeah, I it's can just, totally it's get... just a delight. 
Yes, yeah, and I can totally get why. Um, I can totally get why this was so well received. I would love to have seen it with an audience. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's one of those films that would have played. Obviously, it did play well at a festival, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's different to being to seeing something like that when you're kind of sat in your house following it on Twitter. Than I guess being in the room and experiencing kind of genuine in the moment reaction. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, it's still great to see, and it was still great to see such a nice reaction to it as well. Mm-hmm. What I will say is, beyond the actual like, kind of Benny stuff in this film, the humour in it is the kind of thing that I generally don't gravitate towards. But I thought it worked quite nicely in this. I can only assume this did not have much of a budget because the credits were like thirty seconds long or something, if that. So it's really impressive to see kind of what they've done on presumably a pretty meagre budget. I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, hats off to Carl. As far as I can tell, um, from what I've seen, the way that he's talked about it, this is something that has been kind of gestating and being in the works for a number of years. So it must be amazing to get to the end of it and see it getting the reaction that it does, and I hope that carries on. Absolutely, yeah. I had, I had a lot of fun with it. Next up, on the Saturday evening, again, I believe we both did this one, uh, Relic. Yeah, and less fun with this, but what a fucking film. Yeah, I agree. Uh, on both counts, obviously, yeah, this not known for its whimsy is Relic. But um, <laughs> this is available, I think, now, actually, from uh, Fright Fest Presents in the UK. But it did play at the festival on Saturday evening. It's directed by Natalie Erica James. Mm-hmm. A haunted house story with a real difference to me. I, I, thought this was, uh, I thought this was great. I really love the setup to this. And I like the idea of the fact that the reason that these characters come together is because... Uh, so you've got Kay and Sam here, played by Emily Mortimer and Bella Heathcote. The fact that they've come together because this woman has gone missing, the kind of matriarch of the family, uh, Edna. I really loved the way that those characters got introduced under those circumstances and how kind of sharply weird it got after she came back. I thought this was like... It's it's precisely my kind of like slow burn creepiness, though. I, I think this is great. This is one of my probably one of my top five films of the year. Yeah, I would say it's probably up there for me as well. I was having to think about this, actually, as we're getting towards the end of the year. I trying to think what's going to be in my kind of five and I would say that this probably will be the stylist probably will be mm-hmm. and the Vasta Knight probably as well apart from that I'm going to have to do some thinking I think what we should do is we should do an episode closer to the end of the year then just kind of running down our top fives that'd be cool yeah let's definitely do that yeah, yeah, but, um, yeah. a little bit of bonus but, material yeah I think this is really interesting I don't think it's for everyone Mm-hmm. I think that where it ultimately goes might be quite divisive. I thought the final shot was kind of perfect. I think the end of this film is absolutely amazing. Like That last kind of, I'd say, 15 minutes is unbelievable. I think that it might kind of dial up the strangeness a little bit too much for some people's sensibilities. Okay, yeah, um, okay. I can see why you would say that. But I really enjoyed it. It was a weird film to watch at like 11 o'clock on a Saturday night. I was like, this is not anyone's definition of a wild Saturday night, but I am having a good time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, elsewhere, we both saw, I believe, also Natasha Kamani's Lucky. We did indeed, yeah. Now, this is one that you've been really wanting to see for a long time. I think it was high up on your most anticipated list for 2020. Yeah, I mean, and there's a few reasons for that. I mean, obviously, uh, Natasha Kamani has been on the show a couple of times. She's talked about it a lot. We've understood a lot about what's gone into it. Mm-hmm. And obviously, kind of the hardships that the film's encountered in terms of obviously having its premiere cancelled and things like that. And ultimately, yeah. at South by Southwest, ultimately premiering at Fantasia. But also, yeah, Natasha's first film, Imitation Girl, was great. Was one of my favourites that year. Also, mm-hmm. written by and starred in Bria Grant, who, if people didn't know before, people will know now or is kind of somebody who we kind of think is very much generally a mark of quality and things, regardless of how she's involved. Sure. So yeah, this was one that I was really looking forward to, and it didn't disappoint. I kind of deliberately left myself a little bit in the dark about exactly what this was about and exactly what we were getting into, mm-hmm. beyond what we'd been told. Um, I didn't expect it to be... So what you have here is um, a woman who... She writes kind of like self-help books, right? Yeah, yeah. And she 
is stocked in her home in a kind of home invasion, conventional home invasion, slashery kind of way every night, but the rest of the world kind of doesn't see that as being anything unusual. But she reports it to the police like every night because this this kind of masked killer comes into her house and tries to kill her every single night after night. Um, and she puts up various kind of responses to this and protects herself, but she constantly reports it to the police and to people around her, and no one takes her seriously. Everybody's remarkably kind of blasé about the whole thing. It's kind of cool because it, it lends that real like, frustration. You, you get a real sense of her frustration. I thought this was really interesting. I think it carries on cementing Natasha as a really interesting filmmaker mm-hmm. as well, but I think that where this eventually goes is really ambitious, and again, something that I think is probably something that will threaten to divide audiences a bit as well makes a lot of bold decisions and I respect that I think it's a really interesting film I liked it quite a bit mm. um, it's been acquired by Shudder as well yeah it has um, yeah. it should be appeared next year but what were your overall thoughts on this one I, I really enjoyed it I think it's got a lot of cool stuff to say like you said I continue to be impressed by Bria as a writer and as a director and an actor because she's obviously in this playing the, the lead role and she's she's excellent she's absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant um, yeah, I had a I had a real good time with this. I thought the, the score was really good as well. Mm-hmm, definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just just a really interesting piece of work. I'm looking forward to seeing what more people think of it when it's a little bit more generally accessible mm-hmm. next year. This landed at quite a tricky spot in the festival where a lot of good stuff was on at the same time. Yeah, yeah. But it seems like the people that did um, made the time to check it out uh, kind of dug it as well, which is cool. I actually think it does a really good job of juggling tone because where it goes is quite dark and I guess the, the message it has is a kind of timely and important one but there are moments in it where it's really quite funny like just her trying to deal with this guy every night that's coming into her house with these just the various ways that he's dispatched and just kind of disappears i like i also kind of like the kind of ongoing blaziness of the authorities and her kind of incredulity at that gets really funny as well yeah i agree actually i think it balances its tones really nicely so that was lucky from natasha kamani and Brad grant i thought that that was really good as well Mm -hmm. um i actually had a really good fright fest now i think about it actually um because i've got one more to talk about uh was that your lot from the festival it was yeah yeah i didn't check out anything else yeah i had one more i saw uh i saw slacks all right. Um, which has also been acquired by Shudder, and it is about a pair of killer jeans. Ah. Um, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, killer jeans film, lay it on me. So uh, I got a ticket for this one, and all the comments on it, or all the stuff that I read about it before, were like, oh, this is simultaneously like a silly horror film about killer jeans, and also a damning indictment of consumerism. And I was like, wow, the success rate of this is going to hinge very much on what the ratios are. <laughs> right, okay. And I think that it basically manages to do both at the same time. Cool. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised by this. I got a hold of a ticket for this, expecting to have kind of fun with it. It's I don't mind saying that it's like it's a much smarter piece of filmmaking than I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Performance-wise, a couple of really, really good ones in here <laughs> actually, but no one's doing bad work. But there's a couple of really, really striking performances in it. And how about um, the jeans? This is, this is also <laughs> the jeans. One thing I did actually like, you'll appreciate this, I think, is that when the jeans were attacking people. Because you see a lot of that, you know, like um, like there, there is very little in the way of off-camera jeans murder. How did it? How, how, how did it? I mean, I don't don't give away too much, but how how would, how are the jeans committing these atrocities? Is it like uh, a, a, a throttling? Sometimes uh, there's an excessive tightening. Sure. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, at one point, yeah. Um, what I thought was cool about the actual effect of the jeans attacking people was that when the jeans were attacking people, they just looked like a limp pair of jeans that weren't filled with human legs. Okay. And, like, I know that... They're, they're, does that sound weird? Do you know what I mean, though? Like, it didn't look like somebody was wearing jeans that had been kind of green-screened out of it. Right, okay. Yeah, cool. Got you. And and they do kind of show their hand in the credits as to how they did that. Right. But it was very cool, very clever. But, yeah, Slacks, I don't mind... Like I said, I don't mind saying that this was, like, right out of left field and I enjoyed it a fair bit more than I expected to. Uh, this 
also has been acquired by Shudder and should be appearing next year as well. Lovely. They're doing great stuff. Absolutely crushing yeah. it. Crushing it. Yep. Just carrying on just what we were talking about when we uh, had Sam Zimmerman on the show a couple of weeks ago, just doing this thing where they catch these really curious festival titles that might not have a comfortable platform elsewhere and just being the absolute perfect thing for them. Yeah. Have you got anything else from the main kind of bank of viewing this week? I don't. No, I don't at all. Do you? No. Ah, you know what that means then? Time to change up the format and bring you some wild things. Here we go. So, if you've been listening to the show regularly, uh, you will know that for the last few months, I really, honestly, you could tell me that the 90s side quest has lasted for three months or eight months, and I'd believe you. Um, <laughs> but it ended last week when I watched Sometimes They Come Back. That was me drawing the line under my extremely scattershot and wide net view of 90s horror that I've been doing over the last little while. Mm-hmm. Now, between this and the Shockwaves 100, we did always say that kind of like there's been this pattern where this extra feature of viewing has always centered around me watching things. Yes, that's correct. In a way, especially to begin with, there was kind of um, a good reason for that because I'd seen almost nothing and I needed to kind of diversify, uh-huh. which is still true, but I can do that on my own time now <laughs> because we figured it was time to get you into the spotlight. And uh, we did have a couple of suggestions for the kinds of things that we could do. Um, ultimately, you settled on Nature Gone Wild. So what precisely do you mean by that? And what did you start with? Let me tell you what I mean by that, Mitch. So imagine, if you will, bees, right? Loads of them. Okay. Attacking people. Imagine, if yeah. you will... Bats, loads of them, attacking people. (laughs) Imagine, if you will, sharks with more than one head. Imagine, if you will, snakes preceded by the word mega or giant or playful puns like paranaconda. (laughs) Basically anything where human life is placed in jeopardy by either oversized or multiple enemies. Yes, from the animal okay. world. Uh, crucially, from the animal world. So I am looking forward to... Because, I mean, this is this is historically a subgenre that is full of absolute mad shit. Which is why I chose it. I was going to say, so I think that it's a very strong choice. And without further ado, what did you lead off your quest with? We're going back to 1977 here, Mitch. Right? Okay. For tentacles. Okay. Tentacles. Tell me more. So this is basically a shameless Jaws ripoff, even down to the, the fact that they got the guy who voiced the Jaws trailer to voice the trailer for Tentacles, right? For some reason, this film has John Houston, Henry Fonda, and Shirley Winters in it. And it's basically wow. about a giant octopus terrorising a small, I guess, an Amity Island-type coastal town. <laughs> sure, okay. Yeah, but yeah. to add an extra layer to this, Mitch, this film was directed by Ovidio Asinaitis, who also directed Beyond the Door. Ah, okay. So you've got a rough idea. Yeah, you've got a rough idea of the kind of thing you're getting here. Badly dubbed Italians. Strong start. Bewildered looking big name actors. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's a wild old time when a film starts with a child being killed by a giant octopus. I'm, I'm all in from frame one. Um, was this a first watch then? Uh, it was a first watch. Yeah, I, th- I thought I had seen it before, but I think I was getting it mixed up in my head with uh, Peter Benchley's The Beast. Are you generally going to try and make these first watches where possible? Uh, yes, yes, if I can. Mm-hmm. I mean, spend two minutes cruising about on Amazon Prime and you will find stuff that you had no idea existed. Oh, that's a real den of iniquity. Mm-hmm. So I've yeah. started in the ocean. Will I stay in the ocean next week? Who knows? Will I move to the sky? Who knows? Who can say? That's the exciting thing. Yeah. Nobody knows. But Tentacles is on Amazon Prime. Check it out. It's absolute nonsense. Had a good time with it. Lovely. Okay, so... What have they been saying? 
<laughs> feedback time then, and it's probably not surprising that we have had a massive amount of feedback this week, largely because the film choice for this week was Basket Case. Big thank you to Bria Grant of basically everything that we've been talking mm-hmm. about for the last few months joining us this week um, <laughs> to talk Basket Case with us. It was really lovely to have her on the show. Yes, it was. It was brilliant, actually. Great chat. So, um, I was getting some pelters, obviously, for the fact that I'm not particularly struck on Basket Case. I think that, like I said, I got more out of it, out of this conversation and this watch, for mm-hmm. sure. But I don't think that I copped to it too much. I think that I, I, I did say that I think that ultimately it's not really for me. So, a couple of people got the digs in about that. Sure, I, I would expect nothing less. So, someone who immediately questions you, Mitch, and uh, what your issue is with Basket Case, I, I think it goes beyond just not liking it. I think you're, I think you're intimidated by Basket Case. I think you're intimidated <laughs> by the genius of Basket okay, Case. Okay, sure, sure. But Kevin Matthews says, oh, in fact, he's posted a photo up with Frank Herrenlotter. Kevin looking uh, over the moon in that. Uh, saying that he's caught up with the show 100% insane that people do that but uh, (laughs) thank you and he's saying that himself and Frank will be interested to hear just how Mitch defends himself on Friday harumph I'm fairly certain that Frank doesn't give a fuck, but um, I hope that mine was satisfactory, Kevin. I will say <laughs> On a more kind of generally positive note, and also somebody cutting me some slack about this as well, uh, Laura Bynan, a lot of weights, Bynan LV on Twitter, getting in touch to say, Basket Case, a guy literally carrying his secret around which he's afraid to let out. When I saw it as a gender-struggling teen in the 80s, it struck a huge chord. I'm looking forward to this episode. Never mind if it's not your cup of tea, Mitch. Good on you for giving it a go. <laughs> so, you know what? I'm glad that someone wasn't like, why don't you like that, you fucking caveman? And somebody was just like, you know what? You're giving it the old college try, and I respect that. Do you know what? You, you've given it more than one ch- chance, so like it's. Yeah, I, th- I think it's my third or fourth watch. Like, it's to be commended. Like I, yeah. I, I'm not going to go back and watch things repeatedly that I don't like. Yes, you will. <laughs> yeah, I probably will. Actually, yeah. uh, you have. Um, <laughs> but generally, massive outpouring of love for Basket Case. Rightly so. Loads coming in on Instagram on that very thing. Wicked Sister sixty nine saying yes, what a fucking amazing choice. Uh, Carl Smart on Instagram saying great choice and an amazing guest Chelsea Stardust, mm-hmm. former guest of course joined us a way way back to do brain damage said yay mm-hmm. Bria Grant you can pair this with my brain damage episode and Paddy Bass saying amazing Bria Grant is so awesome can't wait for this one and what a film choice love her eyes emoji <laughs> I, 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 I misheard that as like love her eyes emoji like he was complimenting on her, on her eyes emoji <laughs> he is an effusive man he is. Tidal wave of positivity, that man. Yes, absolutely. Cosmic Ray Girl, uh, now Cosmic Scream Girl, saying, whoa, thanks for that episode in Basket Case. First time watch for me, and I loved it. I totally put my conjoined twin in a basket. Uh, Alexis, I'm not going to sit here and condone that behaviour. I, I think it's wrong in the film, and I think it would be wrong in real life. Yeah, I can't tell if that's intended as a term of endearment or kind of an indictment. <laughs> Hanny Ray at Hanny underscore Ray getting in touch just to say this episode was so fun. Interestingly, some friends and I had a huge discussion about the inner monologue question and I was the only one in that group who has a straight up inner monologue and also talk to myself all the time. The others had abstract thoughts. This blew my mind. Abstract thoughts. I would say I'm probably closer to abstract thoughts. There was a couple of times in that episode where I was editing it and I was just like, this is a bit of a tangent, but I like it and I kind of thought people would chip in. Right, okay. I think so. so I kind of left them in for that reason. And similarly, Andrew Marshall got in touch, uh, kind of off the back of this, saying, I have an internal narration that often describes my actions in far more dramatic detail than is necessary. <laughs> Andrew reached for the pale glowing eye of the frozen computer, sentencing his consciousness to a euthanistic demise, but knowing it would soon be reborn in electric fire. 
Oh, I like that. Uh, he also said, I also frequently talk to myself and have a tendency to repeat past conversations when I hear or read something that reminds me of them, imagining the other person's responses and sometimes changing them. <laughs> <laughs> when I was younger, I was summarily informed that this was fucking weird. I, um, I'm not coming up for a con of that. That sounds like something I would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm a big one for uh, mumbling to myself. You got anything else on Basket Case? Before? I do. Andrew Barron, uh, Mr. Blunderbuss. <laughs> getting in touch to say today is my 40th birthday ah Andrew uh, this came in yesterday so yes. happy birthday for yesterday Andrew That I'm glad to, to share this time with you where we've both turned 40 the existential crises are falling upon us like a house of bricks we'll get through this he says what better gift could I receive than to have Strong Violent PC accompany me on my morning run to discuss the wicker wonderland that is basket case I don't know maybe a pony Skeletrix Skeletrix is cool <laughs> Thanks for getting in touch though, Andrew. Moving away from Basket Case, assuming you have no more. I don't have anything else on Basket Case, no, no, no. Uh, film fan Stevie continues to plumb the depths, got in touch, saying that he's found a film for your Nature Gone Wild quest. Oh! Uh, particularly pertinent as we pull in towards the end of the year and the festive season, Santa Jaws. <laughs> Do you know, actually, he's not the only person who's suggested Santa Jaws. Oh, really? No, I might have to do it. I might have to do it closer to Christmas time. Sounds like a reasonable shout to me. Also, speaking of Andrew Barron and speaking of pitches for your Nature Gone Wild quest, Mm -hmm. Andrew got in touch saying, if you're in the mood for something truly awful, look no further than Beaks from 1987 on Amazon Prime. You seen Beaks? I haven't seen Beaks. I've seen it's on Amazon Prime and I can tell you, Mitch, that the poster for it is in the depths of a potential Mitch's Pitches poster folder. It is amazing, it really is. Um, Andrew also said a classic killer bird movie. I say birds, but it's mainly a lot of pigeons and one hawk. It has a real Shackman vibe to it. Both films have Christopher Atkins as the leading man and the scores are basically identical. <laughs> um, on a similar note, actually, Kinnell got a touch on The Chud Locker this week saying, absolute banger here from my Tubi recommendations. I wonder if you can match the title if I tell you the description that he gives us because he posted the poster in here as well. Okay. Alice Cooper starring Claudio Fregasso directing. Right. No. Monster Dog? No, no, I'm not familiar with Monster Dog at all, but it sounds class. It does. Alice Cooper starring and directed by Claudio Fragasso. Show favourite, Claudio Fragasso. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm just in case you were curious, the um, the IMDB synopsis for this is a rock star returns to his childhood home to shoot a music video while a pack of wild dogs are on the loose, killing off the local residents. That sounds fucking excellent. Yes, it sure does. Um, so a big thank you to Canel for pitching that one. Uh, anything else? Yep, I've got Lewis Gorehound getting in touch on Facebook to say, so for lunch, please feel free to join us and mingle with the team. Fuck that, I'm in the car eating Monster Munch, <laughs> consuming Minnesota 125. Yes, I enjoyed this very much. Um, I am pleased to see that his priorities are in order as well. Presumably starting a new job, maybe? Ah, uh, yeah, presumably, or maybe like on some kind of team building exercise. Yeah, neither of those things appeal to me. Like, the, uh, no. the prospect of starting a new job, having it go around and shake hands with limp handshaked people, like, oh, God, I hate that. I hate when someone's got a limp, wet handshake. Really annoys me. Yep, everyone everyone in an office has got one. I hate team building. I hate fake fun. I don't want any of that. I don't want any of that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for sitting in the car or re- retreating to the toilet and having a, a nap. Like, whatever you need to do... I'm really glad you said nap. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you need to do to get you through your day, I'm advocating it. Um, I really hope none of your co-workers listen to this. I want to say hello to uh, Guy Harvey Reeford getting in touch, saying, uh, now you have your own beer to stock the Chud Locker. Uh, There is a beer in existence that is just called Chud, and it is that Chud. Wow. Uh, Servisham Chud, apparently. It's a Norwegian stout. Uh, Norwegian Imperial State, apparently. Hmm. Okay, I, I would be hoping for something in the kind of 
glowing green vein. Yeah, which historically imperial stouts are not that colour. No, 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 they're not at all. No, I'm, I'm yet to see an, an a, like a luminous green stout. No, that's very true. Um, but yeah, big thank you to Guy for that one. I got some pretty good responses uh, in the group as well. Amazing. CP Buckley at Razor's Edge Media on Twitter getting in touch to say, admiring my collection of nothing lovingly sent by Strong Violent PC. Amazing. Uh, and a photo there of him clutching what looks like a fair old amount of nothing, if I'm perfectly honest with you. Quite the collection he's amassed. It is indeed, yeah, yeah. CP just quietly picking up the wins over the last couple of weeks. You got anything else before we move on? I do. I've got one more thing coming in from Alison Garsha. Okay, cool. Or for the season, Alison Gorsha. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. As is tradition, I've just watched Halloween H2. In my opinion, the second best of the franchise. Be keen to know what the first best is uh, if Halloween H2 is your second best. Um, yeah. I'd like to think it's 1978, mm-hmm. but who knows? Who knows? There's some wild stuff in that franchise. But dipped back into episode 17. 17! Jesus, was that when we had Preston on doing that? Yeah, off Strong Violent PC. Thank God for podcasts creating the illusion of communal viewing and keeping me sane in lockdown. <laughs> oh, I quite like that. Yeah, thank you, Alison. And I'm, and if we doing this can in any way enhance your lockdown experience, then we are more than happy to keep doing this for you, even if it's just you. Happy to do it. Always lovely to hear from you, Alison. Thanks so much for that. Also, just want to say a very quick hello to Paddy Murphy because this week, um, Honest Trailers, which is something that I watch religiously, very, very funny indeed, mm-hmm. did an Honest Trailer for Scream. Right, okay. Um, and at that point, I, I think that it involved a supercut of a ghost face clattering into things and getting his ass handed to him. Andrew took the time to point out that uh, Paddy Murphy did that after our Scream 4 episode to what Andrew believed was a higher standard. So uh, that kind of started doing the rounds in our Twitter mentions again. I have week. to I have to agree. I think uh, Paddy's version was far superior to the one that Honest Trailers put together. No slight on Honest Trailers, but Paddy's a master of his craft with uh, ghost face supercuts. It's <laughs> what people are always saying about him, you know. He's a top man in his field of ghost face supercuts. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. So, any more feedback? I'm done. Ah! <laughs> It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. It will fall to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and give it a title and a synopsis based on the image alone. So, last week we had Cue the Winged Serpent. We did, and congratulations to everyone who very quickly identified the poster as that of Cue the Winged Serpent. I would say potentially the most that we've ever had of people immediately coming out of the woodwork and spotting it. I um, blindly tried to eke franchise potential when there simply wasn't any uh, (laughs) with making a killing too money to burn. (laughs) Yes, yes, well done. And a few people getting in touch, unsurprisingly, with pitches. In fact, there has been loads this week. So oh, cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through uh, the pick of the bunch. Okay, no problem. Yeah. So, Hanny underscore Ray. Lingerie model Lacey Boostenhalter regrets <laughs> taking on a job posing with snakes after one transforms into a dragon and kidnaps her. Is photographer and part-time snake wrangler Flash Barry her only hope? <laughs> It's 1982's Flying Monster Part 1, Damsel in a State of Some Distress. <laughs> I love Flash Barry. Yeah, <laughs> Scary, oh, he, he's a, he's my favourite. Uh, we've got we've got a long way to we've got a long way to go to uh, to top that for best character name. Chris Salt. Then it's fall in the sleepy East Coast town of New York. <laughs> <laughs> As the townsfolk make preparations for the annual Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, Police Chief Brady <laughs> investigates a mysterious case in which a young woman's body was found in a tree in Central Park covered in scorch marks. 
when the coroner's report identifies the cause of death as dragon attack, Brady takes the news straight to Mayor Judy Rugliani, demanding that the parade be cancelled. <laughs> but the mayor overrules him, arguing that the town has never had any trouble with dragons before, and besides, even if it did, the giant floating Snoopy balloon would probably serve as a decoy. With preparations for the parade still underway, Brady must team up with a local dragon hunter and a consulting animal behaviorist to track down the scary <laughs> menace before it can kill again. Owing a tremendous, possibly copyright-infringing debt to a popular blockbuster of the time, it's 1978's far-fetched urban fantasy flop, Flaps. <laughs> Jason Chero, getting in touch. Ah, for lovely. The first time on a pitch, I think, maybe. The online tech company bent on world domination has received city approval. The Chrysler Building, new Techco HQ, is the island of Manhattan. <laughs> as its newest intern looks on at the tech company's latest flying gargantuan security measure he just knows that today is going to mean something but the tech company's rivals have just taken up residence at the Statue of Liberty and a tribe of rebel startups still hides in Central Park Jesus Christ <laughs> our young intern finds out about all of this and more in the coming of age tale of working hard accepting the surreal and making something of yourself in interning with dragons <laughs> Uh, C.P. Buckley? Yes. After Professor C.R. Anium opens a rift to uh. another dimension and unleashes a strange demon onto New York City, there's only one man who can possibly stop it and save the city. Can I guess? Is it going yep. to be Dick Hardman? The problem is that Dick is recovering from a recent heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> now moonlighting as a demon-hunting paranormal warrior, Dick must stop the dragon and Professor Anium, who is hell-bent on taking over the world with an army of mythical dragons. Can Dick put an end to Professor Anium's plans, or will his heart give out before he can stop her? It's a 1992 Bizarro sequel, The Hardman Factor 8, Harder Than Dragon Scales. <laughs> uh, we have two more. Okay. Uh, one of which is Ian McMillan's. Oh, God. Right, okay. Uh, which, which, is, which is incredibly graphic this week. Right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read it, but I'm also going to use this opportunity to appeal directly to my mum to skip ahead a minute. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hardened cynical cop detective Trunk S. Finkter has two weeks left until retirement when a spate of mysterious killings rock the city of New York. <laughs> the victims are all blonde females and the bodies are perfectly intact, except they're missing their lower digestive tracts. <laughs> he teams up with leading proctologist slash amateur explorer Dr. Finestra Capillary to work out what in the Sam hell is going on. This case needs to be solved so he can go on a round-the-world cruise with his simultaneously downtrodden and headstrong wife, Colum. Right. A window cleaner finds blood and poop trickling down the upper window of the Chrysler building, leading our heroes to discover someone or something has been using the spire to remove the victim's entrails. Finestra is actually a descendant of an ancient race, the Colonoscopics, and can transform into their winged god Stoma. The entrails are for a mad ritual or something that she has to do for some reason. It's deadly insertion. <laughs> that wasn't so bad, but I, 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 I'm worried about Ian. I feel like Ian also fell at the last hurdle there. I feel like he started to phone it in over the last couple of sentences. Yeah, but he was just like, something, whatever, fuck it. And finally, James Rodriguez. Tired of feeling lonely in New York City, Lucy agrees to go on a blind date. She has a wonderful time with Dr. Egon. But when they get back to his place, the secret is unveiled. He's a massive dragon, the last of his kind, <laughs> intent on continuing his bloodline. What's even more of a surprise is Lucy's a dracophile and has the hots for the Doctor's true form, culminating in an erotic scene atop the Chrysler building. Get ready to... <laughs> Get ready to be troubled by why this film's giving you a boner, not for being the first time a dragon penis has been shown on screen. <laughs> Baddragon.com Oh my god, it's a callback. It's 1982's erotic thriller The Naked Dragon. Wow, I love that. Powerful, powerful stuff. Uh, that's your pitches for this week. Um, a hell of a bunch in there. Um, you want to pick a best pitch and a best character name? Best character name for Flash Barry. 
Of course it is Flash Barry, yeah, 100%. And uh, I'm going to say uh, the best pitch is James Rodriguez. James Rodriguez. So, Hannah and James, congratulations to both of you. You are today's winners. Shipment of nothing heading in your direction. Yeah, yeah, spend it wisely. I wouldn't ordinarily do this before we move on, but um, Chris Salt got in touch last week with a pitch that was just past the deadline. Okay. uh, For the dead pit. Oh, yeah, which we did uh, not not last week's Minnesota, Minnesota before. Yeah, the Man Boys Fan Boys one. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, thanks. So, um, yeah, I, like I say, ordinarily, I think that if it was past the cutoff, I wouldn't read it, but I thought it was really funny. So I'm going to uh, read it anyway. Can I just quickly say, you're exempt from any prizes, Chris, for this one. Yeah, this is screening out of competition. Yeah, you, you know me, Mitch, I'm a rules-oriented guy, so... I just want to make sure the playing field is level for all pitchers. 100%, absolutely. Nog is a goblin who lives a nice quiet life in a deep dark hole in the ground in the middle of a forest. Sure. He keeps himself to himself and minds his own business eating rabbits and tending to his moss collection. So when a local group of cultists turn up and start using his pit for their human sacrifices, he's understandably upset. Emerging to confront them and ask politely for them to toss their dead virgins somewhere else, he's mistaken for a hellish imp and they double down on the sacrifices in order to summon his unholy master. Now the only way for Nog to return to his peaceful life is to play the part of a vengeful demon and beat the cultists at their own game in a deadly nightmare bloodbath of terror. Nothing but horror awaits in 1981's This Hole Was Made for Goblin. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I thought that was funny, so I thought I would read it. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Thank you, Chris. Moving swiftly on, though, it is your birthday, so <laughs> how would you feel about maybe putting the image that you have ready for me back a week and doing a pitch of your own? Just for your birthday. What you're doing here, Mitch, is you're kind of cloaking this as a good thing, like a present to me. Yeah, exactly. Don't like I'm 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 feeling extremely generous. So I've gone to the trouble of blanking out an image for you. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm more than happy to do it. More than happy to cool. do it. Cool. But... Andy's birthday pitch. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. I am sending it to you now. Okay. Let me have a look. I'm just let's see. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. 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 Okay. Uh, you want to just uh, see what you see on this one? shall um so what we have here is two figures man and a woman man is wearing a white tuxedo and a red bow tie his partner uh, has brown curly hair uh, she has a dress that exposes almost her whole back down almost down to her ass the dress appears to be slipping off the shoulders which leads me to believe that they're about to embark on something sexual because yeah, he's not yeah. dressed like a doctor no no that's definitely the fanciest doctor i've ever seen mm. and uh, on her left arm she has a large corsage it's very big yeah, yeah, which would indicate then to me that there's some kind of prom happening here. But the, the, the standout thing in this image uh, is the fact that the man's right hand appears to be skeletal and has uh, the remnants of dripping flesh dangling from it. Uh, from what I can see of his chin, his face does not match the hand. No, no, you're right You're right as well that like there's very little to go on, but I think that what's there, I, I would agree. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much all of it. Man in a white tuxedo with skeleton hand holds close... A young lady in a blue prom dress. Uh, I think he might be even undressing her. Yes, I would say that that's probably fair enough. Uh, I'm going to hazard a guess then that you will need a moment. Uh, Probably, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Is your intention to do any Halloween viewing today? Yeah, I'm obviously going to watch Halloween. Uh, As you may have noticed on my Twitter, I've been doing the 31 Days of Halloween thing. Mm-hmm. Last night was the fly. Nice. And culminating this whole experience, as I always do, predictable, predictable, but with Halloween. John Carpenter's 1978 Halloween. I was considering doing the same thing. I think that I may double bill that with May. 
Oh, okay, lovely, lovely. Because you know, I I think I think actually with the last few Halloweens I've dug that out. So uh, yeah, I could see myself doing that. I actually noticed on my on my uh, Facebook memories that two years ago uh, today my Halloween double bill was Scream at Home and then going to the Everyman Cinema for a preview of uh, Luca Guadagnino's Suspiria. Oh yeah, of course. Wow, fuck. So yeah, that was that was a good one. I remember that. But yeah, no, I dig out May most years, so I think that I'll probably do that again uh, tonight at some point. However, more to the point. Uh, How are you getting on over there? Yeah, I was trying to keep you talking, but uh, <laughs> I think I think I'm almost there. No, I'm I'm going to just quickly say, Mitch, I I'm going to have to ask Sheila to jump forward a little bit again. Okay, I'll make the call on that one. I I, I know my mum's sensibilities on these things by now. Uh, I kind of feel like I'm getting to know, and I'm concerned. Okay. 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 <clears throat> Let's do it. Curtis Dinkley has a problem. High school has okay. been a bust this year. His grades are down and he's been forced to work all summer as an unpaid groundskeeper at his father's country club. When Curtis unearths a cursed chest in the sand trap of the mythical 19th hole, his right hand is invaded by the spirit of an ancient Egyptian magician who offers Curtis a way out, better grades and popularity. As payment, he demands only one thing, the virginity of Paula White, the prettiest and most unattainable girl in school. The deadline? Midnight, on the night of prom. Can Curtis charm his way into Paula's affections and win her hand while reclaiming his own? Find out in the film that the Radio Times called Sweet and Funny if hamstrung by the filthy title. It's the 1984 body comedy Finger Blast from the Past, the stinky pinky of Curtis Dinkley. (laughs) Very good, very good. (laughs) Uh, delighted. Uh, you're wrong. <laughs> I'm indeed. Uh... What a surprising twist. We are heading back to 1986. Right, sure. With this one. And uh, the film is Killer Party. Killer Party, right, I see, I see. Now, obviously I haven't seen it, have you? No, no, I don't believe so. Okay. So, we have one synopsis available. Okay. Okay, so our synopsis from my MDB this week coming from Jim Nopow. Ooh, hello, Jim. In order to join a sorority, three friends go to a hazing party in an old house where a sadistic, bloodthirsty, demonic spirit is lying in wait. An Egyptian magician. <laughs> you could say, maybe. <laughs> Strong pitch, Andy, as ever. Thank you. Thank you very much. I had a, had a lot of fun putting that one together. Excellent. That image is everywhere, and that does conclude Mitch's Pitches, a birthday edition, needless to say, this week. If you want to get in touch, all the usual channels are available. We love hearing from you. So, yes. moving our attentions to the streaming platforms this week. If you were wondering if post-Halloween uh, you might get a feeling that some of these platforms have maybe exhausted themselves, you'd be right. Amazon Prime has nothing. <laughs> um, Sky Cinema, though, Friday the 6th of November, got Mike Flanagan's Doctor Sleep. When Danny Torrance struggles to overcome his traumatic past, he finds a little girl sharing his gift of the shine. Thereafter, he goes on a quest to protect her from the bloodthirsty true knot. This is great. I really liked it. Cool, I still haven't seen it. I want to see the Flanagan cut of it, but you can't rent it. Right. So, I'm just, I'm like, I've, in fact, you know what? I've just been paid. I might just do a super ambitious shining Doctor Sleep double bill at some point soon. Sign over like six hours of my evening tour or whatever. Superb. <laughs> um, great, great show. Some cool stuff coming to Shudder this week. On Monday the 2nd, we have Insidious Chapter 2. Okay. The second installment in the series follows the Lambert family as they attempt to unearth the family secret that's left them dangerously connected to the spirit world. This got a bad rap when it came out. I actually really like it. Okay. I, I'm, I'm a bit cooler on it than that. 
certainly the best of the sequels in my opinion yes on thursday the 5th we've got blood vessel as well somewhere in the north atlantic late 1945 a life raft adrift at sea and on it the survivors of a torpedoed hospital ship with no food water or shelter all seems lost until a mysterious minesweeper drifts ominously into view but can they survive the monsters on board Ooh. netflix not too much going on but thursday the 5th we've got paranormal season one skeptical about the supernatural a hematologist is forced to investigate enigmatic events when a ghost from his past comes back to haunt him a hematologist indeed interesting yeah, of all things of all things so uh that's your lot for this week i would say the pick is kind of a foregone conclusion it's dr sleep all the way at the bank for me i'm gonna agree with that cool turn our attentions then to this week's show and we do have a guest this week yes we do lovely keeping up that streak he is the director of the shudder original the cleansing hour joined this week by damien levesque yeah and i'm really looking forward to this this is a childhood favorite of mine we'll go back to 1987 for the gate yeah this is a really fun conversation I had a great time with this one if you want to catch up with this before it in the UK certainly it's available on Amazon Prime yeah uh, which is where I got it so Damien Levette joins us this week to talk the gate how are you feeling about that loads of ways to get in touch if you want to let us know Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes you can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC you can email scenes at gmail.com and you can of course interact with other listeners on our Facebook group The Chud Locker yeah and if you're feeling generous or curious pop over to our Patreon patreon.com forward slash strong language violent scenes we've got some cool stuff there we're constantly putting stuff up on that as well we just put an irredeemables episode up the other day about slender man from 2018 uh yeah that was a thing that we watched um and yeah have a little look and if it interests you think about chucking us some coin yeah somebody did that this week we'll be thanking them very soon yeah like momentarily in the meantime, though, we are back on Friday, talking The Gate with the Cleansing Hour director, Damien Levesque. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Yeah, we'll be back. And in the meantime, let me also just say, don't vote for Donald Trump, please, America. Vote sensibly and get that guy to fuck. Uh, goodbye. Hey guys, just stopping in really quickly to say thank you to someone else who got on the Patreon train with us this week. Yeah, Daniel Hartley. Thank you very, very much, sir. You may know him better as Dan Popomatic on Twitter. We say it to everyone, but you, you could spend your money on anything. You really could. You could buy physical copies of films. You could buy sweets. Like you I mean, could, yeah. Mm-hmm. You could, I don't know, what else did, what else did I buy? Buy beer, wine. Yeah, you could. Yeah, that. But that's that's certainly you. You could buy novelty T-shirts like the pumpkin one I'm wearing right now. But no, yeah. you've chosen to give your money to us, and that's beautiful. And for that, we are so grateful. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. Thank you so much, Dan. And we will see the rest of you guys very soon indeed. Bye bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.